Here we are for another incredible episode. You guys are going to be in for one ride today. We have Carmel Bell. She's a medical intuitive. She's one of the top 10 in the world out of Australia. And I'm so pleased to introduce you to her today. So make sure you and your friends and your family know about this. Jump on this ride and make sure that you put your comments below because she can answer them today. So here we go for the Wellness Driven Ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. I'm so pleased to introduce someone to you guys today. Her name is Karma Bell. I'm going to show you her book. It is, oh, let me get that right on the camera. Not doing a very good job. It's called When All Else Fails. And I'm going to go ahead and share her bio with you today from directly from the back of her book. So here at last, the fascinating story of Carmel Bell, the most recognized medical intuitive in Australia. While Carmel's work is amazing, equally so is her personal journey, having survived a mind-boggling four near-death experiences. In the most recent of these, she was away for almost an hour, resulting in significant brain damage. Doctors declared she would never again be able to live an independent life. Carmel was determined to prove them wrong. Using energies received on the other side, she made a full recovery. Now Carmel shares not only her compelling life and death story, she also provides helpful advice on how you too can begin a journey towards self-healing. Carmel Bell is recognized as one of the top 10 medical intuitives in the world. Over 10,000 clients have passed through her clinic while her college attracts many who wish to learn her techniques. She is vice president of the International Association of Medical Intuitives and founder and president of the Australian branch. Carmel lives and practices in Melbourne, Australia. Please welcome Carmel Bell. Hi, Carmel. Here I am. Oh, look, I can see myself. <laughs> there you are. And you're lovely. You're absolutely lovely. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining. 
I, I would, I mean, gosh, we could go into so many different things, but I'd love for you to just explain to the audience quickly, what exactly is the definition of a medical intuitive? Okay. This is my definition of medical intuition. A medical intuitive will look at your physical body. So they will intuitively, insightfully examine all your internal organs, uh, your bones and teeth. And at the same time, they will look at the spiritual connection. Mm. So, you know, is if you have a disorder, say, in your gallbladder, uh, is it coming from disappointment or letdown or anger and from where in your life? Was that let down in anger? Because if you don't resolve the founding issue, it will keep repeating through your life. So, you know, you'll find women, for instance, who no matter how careful they are, will always find themselves in a relationship with a man who is in a partnership already, for instance. It's like, why can't I meet a single man? Well, there are millions of single men out there. It's just that their, their vibration and their desire is to meet a man who isn't single. And if you look at it, you may find that there is a historical pattern in their family, like their father was a bit of a philanderer and his father and so forth. So they get used to that vibe, they're comfortable and they seek. So that's what a medical intuitive does. They, they look at the health of the body and how to fix that, as well as looking at what made it unhealthy or why it was weak in that area. It sounds to me like you can go really deep with that too. You know, when we yeah. talk about our past yeah. histories and our father's father, mother's mother, yeah. you know, et cetera, yeah. really going deep into the biological aspects of yeah. the, the human makeup. And yeah. um, I wanted to just read an expert out of your book because yeah. I think that this... Um, it just pinpoints so much. Mm -hmm. So it says, over my many years of working as a medical intuitive, the one thing that has stood out for me in session with people above all else is that those who are the most unwell are those who are the most unhappy within themselves. They have discontent in their hearts. Mm -hmm. The people who feel trapped, useless, unloved, angry, bitter or frustrated are far more likely to have a serious illness as a result of those feelings. People who felt they were living a life of duty or service, not because they wanted to, but because they felt they had no choice, were also likely to be ill as a result of the burdens of care. Even people who were happy but harbored a secret desire to do more, be more, have more, were at risk of becoming ill. A person who is truly content with who they are and what they have is unlikely to become ill. If you are living for someone else, you are dying for yourself. And I just loved that because to me that was, it, it just puts it all in a nutshell and it, you explain it so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Sadly, you are. If you're if you're following somebody else's desire for you in any area of life, you are dying for yourself. You are 
killing yourself every moment. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about how you came on this journey, or maybe you would like to share with others, you know, I, I know that within your book, you share about it, but share with the mm -hmm. audience your first event with your first death experience. You were, it was a very, very young age. Can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. I was four years of age. And by that stage, I had already made up my mind that I was going to be a medical doctor. My um, godfather, Jerry, was a medical doctor. And, you know, he adored me and he would come down and play with me and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, I'm going to be a medical doctor. And then one night I um, found myself walking down the hallway and we lived in the country of my parents' house and it's a bit hazy as to how I, I got there. And I thought, oh, I'm up, that's odd, I'm cold and I might go clean my mother's sewing room because my mother was not a very neat person due to her family history. So I went into her sewing room and I'm wearing this long nightgown where I normally wore pyjamas because I'd recently had a hernia operation, so they thought I had to wear nightgowns. Anyway, turned on the heater, leant over to clean up her, her sewing table and unbeknownst to me, my nightgown swung into the radiator heater, caught fire, and I was so engrossed that I didn't actually notice until it had burnt all my lower legs and was up to my knees and the flames were licking at my face which is what drew my attention to it so I just screamed and ran which of course flamed fanned the flames and uh, then I passed out in the hallway and um, whilst I was there in the hallway my father woke up saw a light flickering thought oh well we left a light on then realized it was flickering and thought something's wrong, ran, you know, got up and ran and found me on the floor and started to beat out the flames. And um, in that sort of intermission or interval, I actually died and had a near-death experience. And, of course, they didn't know about CPR or anything like that and my father was, like, shaking me and pounding the flames and shaking me and that, I suppose, somehow revived me. So back I came. So there, you know, I often get a little match and run along and go, look who is this? It's mum. <laughs> I know that you've told this story probably countless times, Carmel. Mm. Is it mm. is it difficult for you to share these death experiences? You've had four. Mm. Yeah, four very, you know. The, the second one was not so dramatic other than information I was given. And uh, the third and fourth were uh, heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. Um, it's not difficult. It used to be. Like whenever anybody asked me about it, I would invariably start to cry. The, the trauma was so close. It was really hard. And my mother still gets quite distressed when she talks about it, if, if she does. She very definitely will not talk about it unless she has to. And she can't stand the smell of, like, um, burning lamb. She dry wretches because she says it's that's what I smelled like. Mm -hmm. 
I can imagine as a parent, that's yeah. very difficult. Poor mum. Yeah, she yeah. got the worst of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. she got the worst of it. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. parents do. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to go ahead and go into a commercial. And when we get back, I'll ask you some more questions. I'd, I'd love to hear what it was like on, no problem. on the other side. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. See you in the Kim Jacobs show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people. I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Come on, somebody. That's right. Dr. Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week, I meet with the individuals one-on-one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area, what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time 
for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. All right. So if anyone of you are looking to work with somebody, Kim Jacobs is amazing. And I have it on the link below. Go to kimjacobsconsulting.com and she'll take great care of you. I highly recommend her. Let her know that I am bringing you to her. All right. So going back to beautiful Miss Carmel. Carmel, so I really want to jump into what not just what it was like on the other side, but what I heard you explain in your book, what I'm most interested about is the feeling. So not only did you go to the other side, see the light as many people say, but you felt this energy and, mm -hmm. and like, like this, uh, this force of energy, like electric currents running through your body. And then when you came yes. back, you really wanted to tap into that. And you kept trying to bring about that feeling and energy. And you, and you, through that, you realized that there was a healing essence in that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was uh, the Metatronic energy, which is actually a very different frequency to any other healing energy that I have felt, which is not to say necessarily that it's better than or less than anything. It's just uh, different. And um, people of my bloodline apparently really can pretty much only use that energy. Uh, you know, we, we don't resonate well with other energies. My, my mother uh, learned Reiki and uh, the teacher said to her that they'd never experienced somebody who um, couldn't pick this up. You know, she just, it just was an antithesis to her. So, yeah, that that is what healed me um, was this energy and when I, when I revived, I could feel it when I called it and I, you know, I found it fairly easy to call it. It would go through my body and I could feel it fixing things because you can imagine with burning and a fire and all that kind of stuff, there was a lot of damage to various organs in my body. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's very fascinating to me. You're you're saying that there's different kinds of energy. This is new yeah, to me, is. maybe not new to a lot of people, but I, th mm. I think this is the first time I've heard that. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, there are different frequencies. And, and, you know, we know that people who are scientific in nature or in the healing uh, field are aware that there are, are different frequencies, which is why, you know, you have the singing bowls, the crystal, crystal bowls that are different frequencies and so forth. And some energies are really good at um, energising the body and giving a really good, you know, effective 
ground level healing, but the healing doesn't tend to hold, um, which is why, for instance, you might go see a pranic healer or a Reiki healer and they will do their stuff and God bless them, but you'll be back to get more because it, it hasn't held. That's not the frequency it is. And the higher up in the frequency you go, um, it is actually a little harder to use and a little harder to heal with and people won't feel it as, you know, like right there as they, they may with the Reiki. They have to be a little bit more sensitive. But the difference like loads up so you'll find you know like three weeks later the problem that you had had been slowly dissipating till it's gone and it tends not to come back I'll tell you a quick story I had um, a discussion with a lady actually yesterday and um, on you know zoom or something like that and she was talking and she said to me at the end of our discussion she said I don't know if you remember me and I thought no I don't I actually see a lot of people so no I don't and she said well look I came to see you in 2020 because I was having a lot of problems with my digestive system and nobody could help me she said I saw you and I haven't had problems since and wow. you know that that is the kind of result and when she was there I don't know if she really thought if I was doing anything or, you know, whatever. I'm sort of like standing around her just shifting patterns and moving things out and told her how to handle it afterwards. But she has no more digestive problems. So she, you know, she is very, very happy. Wow. I um, I know and you shared a couple of testimonies with me and I, I wasn't able to do it. I could share the screen, but I, I will just say, uh, from me hearing those testimonies, how people really are so changed, like their entire lives. And, you know, yeah. it's like giving them a whole new beginning. And mm. so that's such a beautiful thing um, through your healing. And I love that you, you began a new uh, a school. And so I want to yeah. talk about that for a little bit. But I yep. want to also kind of go into your history first and see how you really came about into the light of this profession. I know that it wasn't an easy journey for you, especially, no. you know, when it's not accepted by the traditional modern medicine. Um, mm. And so and I know that there's been a lot of challenges with that. Would you like to talk about, you know, maybe one challenge that you will never forget that you dealt with during that time when, when you're being accepted into a medical community? Um, oh, gosh, that's a, a big ask. Well, I remember that, you know, I'm accepted by a lot of doctors and I am part of the Integrative Medical Association and I'm the only non-medically trained person who is a, a, a part of that. And, um, you know, I was, in, I like, invited to go in and then it had to be voted on and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, and um, that was very difficult. I never actually expected to get in 
into that. I never expected to get that far. And my journey with the medical profession started uh, quite unbeknownst to me, in fact. Like one day, and it would be, oh, hang on, how old? 25 years ago, probably 20, 20, 26 years ago, a lady made an appointment to see me. She came in to see me, and I did a session on her. And she was so amazed that she said, um, I'm going to send my partner to see you. So she did. And I picked up all this stuff on him and, and fixed him. He really did need physical, like, you know, um, grunty healing. So I, I did what I could, sent him back to his partner. And um, turned out that I actually did save his life, basically. And... Um, then this, this same woman contacted me and she said, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to, you know, like make assumptions, whatever. She said, but I'm actually a doctor and I'm so amazed with what you did that I want to be able to send clients to you. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll write reports when they come, if they come from you so that you've got what I see, not just what they remember. So, you know, we did that. And doctor after doctor and their clients started to see me and you know some of them would let me know that they're a doctor and others would not tell me and you know it may it makes no difference other than you know obviously there's a bit of an anxiety based level when you think oh my god this is a doctor i hope i remember my anatomy <laughs> <laughs> which you know is probably the biggest fear i go oh, where's the gallbladder again oh no is it called a nose in the middle of the face I don't know. I can't remember. So it's much easier. You know, obviously I'm not medically trained and um, it's a bit hard to, (laughs) on an an ordinary human level, to come up against these people and they'll go, that's not, you know, a foot. I'm telling you, that's a bunion. (laughs) You know, and I look, I've been arrogant enough, I guess, to say to people, whoever they are, whatever profession they are, and they'll go, you're wrong. And I go, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. You know? mm. And I'm, to, kudos to me. Um, I have had a lot of apologies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess that by word of mouth, that really gives you more acceptance. And it sounds to me like yeah. it was maybe an easier transition than I maybe expected yeah. You know, if if doctors were asking your you of your mm. services for their yeah. patients, that's amazing. Yeah, I got so I got so busy at one stage that the only way I could think of working it out was saying that if you want to come see me, you actually have to be referred by your doctor. Mm. So people would have to go to their doctor and say, I want to see this person, Carmel Bell Medical Intuitive, she wants a referral. And the doctor would go, oh, I guess they'd probably go, ooh, well, hmm, odd. But they would write the referral and these people would come along with their referral and I'd have a look at it and I'd go, oh, they want me to look at your, you know, hairy tongue, no worries. And then I would do whatever. But I actually did that because it meant that people actually had to think about coming to see me. I'm not a sideshow, you know, and so many people in this field, like, you know, the amount of people that will come in and, and see me, it's a medical problem, then they get to the end of it and go, um, 
oh, what can you tell me about my love life? I'm single and, you know, and I go to them, I don't give a damn about your love life. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Like, not even looking at it. Who cares? If it was part of their illness, sure. But, you know, like, that's one of the hardest things with medical intuition is actually getting people to recognise that as intuitive, as clairvoyant as we are or should be, our interests are not um, the mundane, mm. as it were. It's not, it's not what, what I see as, as mundane. Um, it's far more critical to your, to your life and to your health. Like what's the point of having a partner if you're developing, you know, like stomach cancer or whatever? pretty pointless isn't it yeah Yeah. it sounds like you're you're very very straight to the point um very authentic now Mm. when you knew and i and it sounds to me like you developed this gift at an early age did you want it what was there a point when you decided to accept it i mean obviously you did but you know there was a point when I decided to accept it, but it was a journey. I, I honestly kept resisting. So, you know, just I'll try to be brief. First of all, you know, as, as you know, I died at four. And then my life went along and it was kind of like trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma and I was ostracised. I was regularly beaten up at school because I was weird and, um, you know, and I would look at things from a different thing that, a lot of the kids would torment animals and I would try to stop them. And um, then I think at 15 years of age, so I just turned 15 and, you know, still quite determined to be a doctor. So I was, you know, studying in my like preferences and so forth to that end. And then just turned 15, long came Christmas. I'm one of six children and, you know, in Christmas morning, my family, would, we'd all gather around the Christmas tree and Dad would hand out the presents one by one. And um, anyway, so he handed out all the presents. There was nothing left under the tree and I had got nothing. There was nothing in front of me. And I, I think I was in a bit of shock and I just went, wow, nothing. And so I got up, walked out of the room, went into my bedroom and started to pack a bag to go. When both of my parents came running out and grabbed me and and mum went, oh, Carmel, I'm so sorry. And dad said, we've just realised that your mother forgot to get you any presents. So look, here's, I think it was $20, maybe $50. Here's some cash. And when the shop's open, your mum will take you shopping and buy you a present. So I put the money in my jeans pocket and I thought to myself, there's no room for me here. So I finished packing my bag. I walked out the front door and I did not see my parents again for nearly three years. Wow. That's a very powerful story. But I had to Um, leave school, you see. Yes. Who was going to pay? I was at a private school. Who was going to pay my fees? Not me. Wow. And what did you do? Well, I actually went over to my, uh, I had a boyfriend, you know, and we'd been dating for about, I don't know, 12 months. 
and we, you know, we were teenage in love, whatever. And I walked the, you know, the few kilometres to his house with my one bag of belongings, and I knocked on his door and I told him what happened, and I said, "Is there any chance I could live here with you?" So he asked his parents, and they said, "Yes, of course you can." They were quite fond of me, so I moved into his little one room bungalow with him and we lived in a single bed together and I got a job working for Woolworths I think and then pharmacies and all that sort of stuff and um, then you know we were, we were very very happy and then I went to Perth for a little while my grandparents found me and asked me to go live with them and um, they had actually wanted to adopt me after I burned and my dad wouldn't let them and because they actually thought that my mum was deliberately trying to kill me, which she wasn't. Um, we're very close. She wasn't. Um, <laughs> and I'd said no. Anyway, uh, they came over, they found me, and they said, we want you to think about this, so can we you know, get you to move out for a while? So I did, and then um, it was arranged for me to go to Perth, so I went to Perth for a few months, and then I came back to Melbourne and I resume my relationship with my boyfriend and then we started a motorcycle gang together and because oh. you know we thought it was a joke so I was the president of this gang you know and I ended up being called boots and <laughs> boots and all I was always in boots and all <laughs> oh, I still I wear that. pretty much I still wear pretty much nothing but boots today but a huge collection of shoes that I never wear I just love them. They're, they're objet d'art, you know, d'art. Beautiful. Love love looking at them and walking down my display. But I wear boots. I, wear I like boots. boots too. I, yeah. I understand that. I'm a boots girl too. Yeah. Well, yeah. wonderful. I When we come back, I'm going to share some photos that you gave. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. a little bit about your beautiful family that you've created and what your journey is like to have them um, in your life and have it being a medical intuitive and what effect that has had for you and your family. So stay tuned. CTR Media Network is now accepting new podcasters to join our growing network that's reaching 350 million global listeners. Have you heard? CTR Media Network offers podcast production, podcast training, distribution, and product placement. Book us for your next event or schedule an interview with CTR Media Network podcasters today. To learn more, go to ctrmedianetwork.com. Okay, so I'm going to take us on a journey through this photo album of Carmel's, okay. and you can just tell us what what this photo is like, the time period, etc. Oh, well, that's actually my daughter. Uh, Rosalind, and she's 25. That, and she decided I have this most amazing wardrobe that you know you would love. I've been collecting vintage clothes and making clothes, and you know I have oh so many beautiful, beautiful jackets and pants and dresses and hats and gloves and all this sort of stuff. And Rosalind one day just appeared out of my wardrobe as she sometimes does, dressed up like this, and I thought, oh man, this kid. Is so beautiful and I just took a photo so that's that's my glorious daughter Rosalind my only only daughter 
That is a gorgeous photo. And know. you know, Carmel, I thought this was of you. <laughs> no, in fact, it's very similar. I, I could yeah. show you. I used to model years ago, like when I was about 21, 22. I did quite a bit of modeling. And and then, you know, it got really, it's a bit of, it was a very creepy industry when I was in it. And that is so similar to a photo I have of me that was professionally taken. She's a natural. And you know what? She does not give a rat's how she looks, you know. She doesn't She doesn't bank on her looks at all, which is so beautiful. She is. She is. Yeah. Mm. Oh, like this is me when I was about, uh, I would be 29, 30, and um, I'd actually been, um, I was an Olympic class gymnast when I was a child, which, of course, that career I was training for, the Olympics um, and that career ended when I left home and also injured my leg, managed to cut out a tendon in my um, leg, which stopped me from performing at my top ability. So I went from that into bodybuilding. I thought, what can I do? So I began to bodybuild because my metabolism is fast, so fast that it's very difficult for me to put on weight. So I have to like eat a lot of certain types of food and train to get muscle and strength on me. And um, anyway, I just I couldn't get to the gym as often as I liked, so I set up a home gym for myself. And so this this is a photo of me, and I can tell you I was so annoyed when that photo was taken. My husband, man who's my husband now, actually took it, he, you know, came home to find me, like, working, and thank God he didn't take take when I was actually like forward because you would have seen like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. on my face and he took it and it was like oh, for Christ's sake what are you gonna do take this photo I'm so glad he took it now though <laughs> <laughs> how about this photo well that is me at about um I would have been probably 42 42 43 and that was actually taken after I had been diagnosed uh, with a brain tumour that actually um, created a, a terminal disease in me. And um, I decided, you know, that my hair was naturally black, but because I'm of uh, Celtic descent, it starts to go, started to go grey young, which they do, and this is like natural. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. And um, so I went to my hairdresser and I said, just take the lot, take the lot, you know, just leave me the, the grey. So he did, and that was taken not long after he did that. And um, that, that was me in the early stages of um, a disease called Cushing's. There's lots of Cushing's syndrome, but very, very few people with disease, which is quite different. And um, I think I was off to teach a class. Anyway, so I'm back probably 42, maybe a bit older. Okay. And now remind me, is this um, prior to this, the second death experience? or No, no it's post. The second, yes, James? Yeah, you can go out. But my son's just going to travel through. One of my sons is just going to travel through. And so you can see that back. This is the one who's like two metres tall. So all you can see is his back. Um, no, I had uh, a second death experience when I was 18. I 
um, miscarried a baby and my GYOBN decided I needed a, um, you know, an operation to make sure there's nothing left. And during that operation, um, I died. So they actually didn't do all that they intended to do, um, but they, you know, revived me and brought me back and then popped me in hospital for, for the night. And he, you know, came to see me and said, oh, we had a bit of a problem. You died. And I said, I know, because <laughs> I had another near-death experience where I was told um, that I had married the wrong Bernie. Mm. I had to leave. Yes, you have a very interesting mm -hmm. experience with that too because the first death they told you um, on the other side, they said, you're going to have a partner in this life. His name is Bernie. Bernie. And you mm -hmm. met a Bernie and you thought that that was your and, partner. Yeah. And it ended up not being. No. And, you know, look, we had a lovely, we really did have a lovely relationship. We would be, if we still married, we would have been married, I don't know, 40, 42, 43 years, I think now. And we're still very close, you know, like we wish each other happy birthday. We sometimes meet for coffee. He, you know, helps me out with various things, ditto for him. Um, and his children and my children, uh, you know, in fact, a couple of them attended school together and they used to delight saying to people that their brother and sister, even though they don't share anything genetic, you know, and they'd say, oh, how does that work? And go, well, my mother used to be married to her father and they have together a son. So, you know, <laughs> Harley, who, who used to say to me when he was young, I really want a sibling, ended up being one of six, one of six. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And who is this? This is B2, Bernie 2. This is my second Bernie. Bernie 2. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah no, they, they call themselves B1 and B2. And um, <sighs> so I laugh and say, um, I'm married. I've been married to the bananas in pajamas, if you know that those shows, B1 and B2. So that, that is B2. And uh, it's only a couple of, couple of years old. That, that photo, we were at. Um, his works Christmas function where we were um, bowling, like lawn bowling. Oh, my God, what a task that is. I don't know how all these old people can lawn bowl, bowl so successfully because, <laughs> you know, like I would be aiming for there and I'd end up over there. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, he looks very happy, like just a, a jolly, merry soul. He is, he is. That's because he rides a motorbike every day. <laughs> brings him great joy so how common is the name bernie it was that like something really very uncommon very okay. very uncommon i have actually physically met four bernies in my life two i married one was my best friend's father and the other was a priest wow yeah and uh, that's it that's all the bernies i've met that's amazing. Mm. And oh, this that's... is the two of you. Yeah. That's me, me and Bernie. Bernie and I. And I think that might have been at one of my birthday functions 
and somebody said, let's get a photo of you two. And I thought, oh, all right. And <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. You guys look very close. And yeah. from what yeah. I understand, you know, was it true when they told you this is going to be your, your life partner, your companion, yeah. your aid, mm. your help, you know, in this life? Yes. Has that rang true? Yes, it has. Okay. There have been a few tussles along the way, you know, like, and um, I'm a really good one for, you know, uh, uh, jumping up and down and yelling when I'm truly frustrated. And uh, Bernie just is the silent type. He plays, he plays snail. And um, <laughs> so we've had a lot of silent arguments or oh, loud from mine. And that's James, who you just saw the back walking out. He said he's he's two meters tall, like size <laughs> I think sixteen or seventeen shoes. Wow! And he's just like he's huge <laughs> and so gentle. Like this guy is so gentle. You know, he's amazing. A like, giant. Yeah, I've always said to him. God, James, with your body, you really ought to get into bodybuilding. Please do. And he goes, <laughs> no. oh, this is my eldest son. This is Harley. And um, he's actually a uh, aerospace engineer. And, wow. Um, yeah, I love his moustache. And he actually does twirl his moustache. Like he goes, oh. That is a good luck. Yeah, that is yeah. a very good look. He's snidely whiplash. He's very snidely whiplash. But yeah. And this is Jean Luc. I and, love uh, that name, by the way. When I was reading the names of your children, they're all beautifully unique, but Jean Luc is, is great. How did you come yeah. up with that name? Well, Jean Luc was born um, 14 weeks premature. Uh, and Totally unexpected. There was no reason that we could find that it would happen. But my waters broke and uh, I went to hospital and they put me in there and put me on a drip to try and stop him being born. But nothing was going to stop him. So, there, you know, there'd been like no preparation, basically. They gave me, I think, two shots, massive shots of cortisone to get his lungs developed because it works very rapidly and all this sort of stuff. And... Um, they said to me when I'm in labour, uh, they said, your baby is unlikely to live, mm -hmm. so you need to be ready. And I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, see about that. Anyway, he ended up being born straight to, straight to, you know, intensive care and all this sort of stuff. And I looked at him and I thought to myself, what name can I give him that will carry him to the stars if he does not live. And he was born on St. Patrick's Day. I am a Star Trek fan. I just adore Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard. <laughs> and um, his name is Jean-Luc. And I thought, well, there you go. That's perfect. So we called him Jean-Luc and then middle name of Fox, which actually suits him really well. And uh, anyway, a friend of ours um, was working at NASA at that stage and he heard that Jean-Luc had been born, blah, blah, blah. So Patrick Stewart got a photo of himself dressed up as Jean-Luc Picard, signed it for our Jean-Luc, and um, Harold sent it to us. 
Here you go. Mm. Mm. And he lived, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a great, that's a yeah. wonderful story. And this is all of them together. Yes, it is. So yes, this is. is all of the beautiful children. You have four. Four, And yeah. so I'm curious, a couple questions. Mm. Has this gift run internally through the family? I think you were talking a little bit about that with your mother. Um, have your children experienced this gift? And, yes. Okay. Yes. So they practice and they... No. No. no they, they do not. I um, I discourage them. I discourage oh. them. I, I would love to hear more about that. This is the toughest job you will ever, ever, ever learn. You know, just try and be brief. For instance, um, publishing representatives, you know, whatever, don't want to know me because of my profession. Um, you know, lots of things. Teachers, doctors, I'm always being challenged by doctors. I mean, literally I've had doctors look me in the face and tell me that I'm lying, I'm a charlatan, and how dare I give people false hope, even mm. though I am scientifically and medically tested and verified. Um, they find it very, very challenging. My kids, uh, these two in the middle, I had to move their schools because children weren't allowed to play with them because one of the mothers at this school had been a client of mine. She told people what I did and they decided that I was weird and freaky and no one should talk to me and their children shouldn't play with my children. So um, it, the the bullying and ostracisation became so intense that I actually did have a breakdown due to it and um, I moved my kids out of the school into other schools to save them. It was getting very heartbreaking for them. That is, the, those are definitely the challenges I was curious about. Mm. And I feel, um, I would like as much as I would love to say that the world is changing and we're evolving and we're past mm. that point, mm. uh, that we're we're not quite there yet. Oh, no, we're, we're actually a long way off it. And I know, you know, there is progress and there is more acceptance than there was, but we really are a long way off it. And, even, you know, last night on Facebook, I think or the night before, I was reading a post by a friend of mine who's, like, in the healing world and was, you know, and, like, he put up and said that anybody who charges for their healing services will have their gifts taken away from them, that we're not allowed to charge, that nobody should charge. And I thought, you know... That's really unfair because every talent, every talent is a gift. Mm. Every talent comes from God or source, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, yeah. you know, everything. And why does no one field have the right to actually eat and to comfortably know where their next meal is coming from? You know, we... Money is the energy exchange that this world unfortunately runs on and why would an energetic or spiritual healer, although, you know, I don't call myself a healer, I'm a medical intuitive, um, why don't they have a right to eat? Why should my children not have clothes and education and food? Right. I agree with you. Yeah. So, you know, that's been a challenge and it remains a challenge, you know, and the it's very, very rare for anybody to quibble with me to say, you know, like, I can't afford um, to pay you. Very, very rare. Oh, this is the, uh, this is actually the farman 
who saved my life after I died. So, um, you know, by the time they got there, I'd been dead for quite some time. These guys worked on me for 47 minutes. That's amazing. 47 minutes giving me CPR, which i got to tell you is the most excruciating thing to recover from. In fact, mm-hmm. lots of people die from the results of CPR. Yep. They, their bodies cannot recover. It is agony you have never experienced. Um, and giving me adrenaline shots and oxygen and whatever for 47 minutes. And they were just about to call it. They'd gone on for that long because my husband used to be an ambulance officer himself and so you know he was known in the industry otherwise they would have stopped you know 25 minutes prior but they went on and on and on because you know he was a buddy and um i re-entered my body and came back that's fascinating it's yeah i i agree it's very rare for um the medical community to go on that long yeah, and I'm very, I'm very aware of how hard it is on a body and that people do die mm-hmm. during that process. So it is a miracle in and of itself that you survived all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is the big long death. And um, yeah. can you tell just, just briefly what your experience was at that time? Uh, you mean whilst I was dead? Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> I found myself up in, you know, the space that people call heaven again, and I was talking to uh, the Archangel Metatron, who I have spoken to before, and to um, to Jesus, the, the person who calls him, you know, the people call Jesus, I call him Jesus, and a couple of my guides. And, you know, they they talked to me and asked, basically like how I was going and how I was coping and I told them, I shared with them the griefs and the difficulties that I had gone through and how tormenting this profession was and, you know, they explained that they had asked me to, you know, to do this, which I was aware, you know, of and how they knew they were aware of how difficult it was and it's it's not an easy task to carry. And um, then they told me that if I wished to, I, I could be, I could remain in heaven, I could stay physically dead if I wished to. And... You know, then I I thought about it and I thought about Bernie trying to raise and support, like I was the main income earner and and support our four children um, by himself and, you know, how he would probably lose everything, like lose the house, lose, you know, income, blah, 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 and, and how lonely he would be without me. And so I chose to come back. I do believe that they actually wanted me to come back, but that it was, you know, they they gave me the appearance of choice. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so um, this photograph is more recent. Yes, it is. It's a couple of years old. 
I yeah. love the purple. This is definitely one of my favorite photos mm. of you. I use this one to highlight the, uh, just to advertise the show and you being here mm. as a guest. And mm. so, um, and I also want to go into, I, I'd like to ask you this question. It, it doesn't sound to me like you're, you're done. Like, do you feel, what is next? I'm, I'm wondering what's next for you. Oh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, at the moment, I confess I'm just treading water. I don't see as many clients by weight. I see a tenth. Like pre-death, I was seeing, as I think I said earlier, you know, 30, 30 people a week. And that's a tremendous amount. And, and I still had a huge waiting list. Like this wasn't dragging through the atmosphere looking for clients, you know. This, this was hard work. And I really do not want to work that hard anymore. Uh, I, physically, I can't. You know, physically, I, I really cannot. It, it will kill me very quickly if, if I try to because it is a real, it is a burden on the, on the body, no matter how careful you are. You know, the body has to be able to match that level of, of energy. Hmm. You know? And, that makes um, sense. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I've considered like in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I have actually looked at changing professions. I did start a um, tattoo course <laughs> and then realised. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? And because <laughs> I don't mind ta tattoos and I think you can do some beautiful art. So anyway, I, I applied, was accepted, enrolled, and then I started reading and whatever. And do you know how much study there is involved in learning to actually tattoo. It's mind-boggling. I thought, oh, yeah, give me the gun. I'll draw a picture. No worries. No worries. <laughs> it is so intricate. So um, and since I did that, the crazy thing is because I've always said to my kids, tattoos are an identifying mark. So if you ever have any criminal aspirations, do not get a tattoo, right? <laughs> I have tried telling my daughter that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, two of my children now have tattoos, lots of tattoos. I mean, full sleeve, like full mm. sleeve, and I can't complain because I know that he has no criminal aspirations. <laughs> and um, I was the first one in the family to get a tattoo after I died. Insane! I just like wandered into this tattoo studio, literally, and said, "Can you tattoo me, please?" Well, tell me what is it? I'm, I would love to know. What it actually says is it's on it's on my left ankle, and it says "curiouser and curiouser." Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and on my, Wonderland. That's yeah. wonderful. That's definitely um, going down the rabbit hole, and absolutely. Um, I love yeah. I love so much all of the things that you've shared today, and. Um, I know that I, I would love to keep going further and further. It's, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but obviously I don't, I don't, um, I'm sure we all have the gift within us. And, and I know that's why you created the school and you have, you work on teaching people that they have this gift within themselves in order to go out and, and share that gift with the world. Yeah. Um, 
And so, but, but really coming to this eye-opening concept, uh, because I don't think about it because I don't practice it, but that it really takes so much energy from you because, you know, you're, you're working it. And, um, also curious, what is, what's the, the future look like for your school? Uh, well, I closed it down for a, a long time and over the last you know, two or three years, I have actually tried to reopen it, but COVID has got in the way. And um, But I do intend, you know, my intention is there to reopen it sometime this year, hopefully in the next couple of months, but um, it'll be more online. It used to be in person. I still prefer to teach it in person. I've not tried to teach it remotely yet but you know we will try this year and um, I don't know if I will do more than just one year you know I will teach and do one year because you know again like it's a lot of it's a lot of work for me to teach it and I get in guest lecturers like you know usually I'll have a doctor or two come in and talk and you know dentists and physios and because people don't realize exactly how critical teeth are you know, like mm -hmm. you can end up with the most severe headache you possibly can get, trigeminal neuralgia, uh, through misalignment of your jaw, you know. Yes. And they actually call that headache the suicide headache, you know. Oh, well, yeah. Like, yeah. You don't yeah. want to stick around for it. Well, I actually did get that headache. I got that headache and I suffered with it for about a year and a half living on the strongest painkillers I could find and doctors saying no reason I'm going I know this is curable I know it's something wrong up here like and I'm trying to look and I I had to sort of stop working for the most part and then I went and visited um, a dentist that I'd been friends with since I was about 25 and and uh, he had become my children's dentist and I was picking up my daughter and I said oh he said how are you and I said Paul you know I've got this thing he said you know, all right, look at me. And he did just like literally spent 20 seconds and went whack, whack, whack. And he said, all right, he said, Carmel, book in for a half hour an appointment and I tell you um, diagnosis will become misdiagnosis. So I did and it did and I've never had another headache since. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not I haven't had another headache, let alone a trigeminal neuralgia. And I am aware that I get these conditions because I have to learn about them, like, and things. I, my my history, my full history, reads like a Shakespearean tragedy. Really, the 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 events that have happened to me, the things, the tragedies that have happened to me, and the illnesses that myself or my children have developed, and I've had to fix. You know. So you gain the knowledge of. Yeah. Because yep. you are supposed to have those experiences. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Like the one that you saw, my son that you saw leave, when he was born, he was born dead. They revived him. And then I was told that he had cerebral or cerebral palsy, right? Mm. Okay. He's six foot seven. No palsy. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Oh, and then he developed uh, um, idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura and they wanted to take out his spleen. 
And um, I said, mm. no, 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 all gone, fixed. Yeah. You know. That's so. amazing. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting, the chosen few or many that have to, you know, go through these challenges in order to mm -hmm. learn and grow th from them yeah. and to show up differently. Mm. Yes, so. it is. Um, people think that we're lucky. Now, look, you know, there's got to come a time where um, somebody with my kind of talent does not have to suffer, really, you know. I mean, there's always going to be suffering. There's suffering in everybody's life. I mean, the people that I've met in my life who have had the easiest kind of lives and nothing, you know, they were blah, blah, blah. I've got to tell you, they are the most boring people you could ever possibly <laughs> hope to meet. They're, you, know, oh, you, you know, you get trapped with them and it really is trapped in a party or a pub or whatever. And it's like, so what do you do? Oh, nothing. I just, you know, whatever. But they're not really living. <laughs> no. 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 They're not living. It, it is. It, without challenge, you don't grow. Yes. I agree with you there. That is 100% true. Yeah. And so I know that you're going to do the schooling online potentially. And that was a other curiosity of mine was being able to teach something like this. And when you're working with the energies, is it just you describing or like, are you able to, um, yeah. you know, to tell from, from yeah. our video that, you know, yeah. Hey, April, you, you could work on this or I see this, you know, are you able to do that from far away energetically? Yes. Yep. In fact, pre all this video stuff, I used to just do it over the phone. Wow. I didn't even didn't even know what these people looked like. You know, I had to um, go over and visit them and go. Well, I see that you're wearing this. Oh, and they go, oh, yeah. Yep. Go oh, good. I found you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Carmel, this has been such a wonderful time. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your life. I absolutely have left the link to your book in the description. Yep. And so I, I strongly encourage people to read it. It just grasps you and locks you in. The stories are fascinating. Your journey has been fascinating. And, um, you know, the, the fact that you're just able to shine your light in the world now is, is the beautiful thing. And so I want to personally thank you for doing that and being that and sharing your journey with us here today. Thank you. Thank you. They're so lovely of you. It, thank you. you. Know, it makes me feel, you know, it's, it's pretty rare for people to, to actually give me compliments. I'm, I'm a bit of an oddity. Well, so, you can come here and get compliments all day long, anytime. Okay. okay. Compliments are there. Yeah. yeah. Is there it's anything on else? My silver hair. I just, I love people complimenting my what? silver hair. You know, I grew it myself and it took such an effort, like years. Well, yeah. I mean, you cut it pretty short too. And, yeah, and I love the color of it too. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get that. My mother 
doesn't hasn't seemed to gray. So I don't know if I'll get there. I'll probably just go all white, you know, eventually. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> I like I like white. It's still, you know, yeah. it's still still actually dark somewhere like underneath, I think. Anyway, but it's probably waiting for me to like have another traumatic experience just to finish off the job. Oh, well, I I think that you're you're pretty resilient, I would say. Thank you. Thank I you. I so. am. I am. Is there Brain damage else? helps that resilience because, you know, like you forget, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that you did that. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Huh. I think that we we do need to be reminded. Yeah, we do. Every now and again. I, and I think that what that does is it shows – how much we have done and how strong we have been, yeah, you know, and that whatever challenges that we're facing now, we can sure get through it because we have been there, done that. Yeah, we have. And we've got the sore feet to prove it. We do. <laughs> All right, Carmel. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share? No, no. All right. Just thank you. Thank you, April. My Thank pleasure. Anytime. It. And you yeah. can always come back yes. on the Wellness Driven right. Life show. All right. I'll so just I'm pop have in you. now and then. You can pop in. And I'm going to have you stay right backstage and we're going to finish up the show. And yep. thank you so much for our listeners. And thank you so much for the people who are going to be listening to this recording. Make sure you put some comments in and I'll get back to them in the future. And yep. the way that the show runs is by donations. So if you would like to invest in the Wellness Driven Life Show once, weekly, monthly, or annually, just do that through Cash App, Venmo, or PayPal. Also through www.thewellnessdrivenlifeshow.com, there is a donation site where you get a beautiful email after you donate and you can save that for your records. So Lovely. thank you again so much for everybody who has joined and tuned in and we will see you tomorrow. Okay. Thank you. Bye.